Welcome to The Long Game, a podcast by Macau Group where we sit down and have raw conversations with talented specialists and people who are passionate about what they do in the built environment. My name is Kelvin and I lead the team here at Macau. You can check us out at macau.com.au to learn more. That's m-a-k-a-o.com.au. This is volume one where we explore the ins and outs of energy efficiency in buildings. Today's episode features Ash Morgensen, one of the founders at 3Arc. 3Arc provides air tightness, building performance assessment, and thermography services across Victoria. Leave the door to your mind open and enjoy the conversation. Thank you for making time today, Ash. To kick off the conversation, I think it would be best for Ash to maybe just introduce yourself and Ark just uh, in terms of what you do and some overview. Sure, yeah, thanks for having me here today. Yeah, Ash Morganson from 3R, and our company does uh, provide air tightness advisory and testing services. We also do thermography or infrared imaging, and we also do home energy assessments using the Vic government scorecard tool. But, uh, we started in the air tightness uh, arena around about uh, early 2015 and with the expectation that we'd see uh, some changes in our industry with the 2016 NCC COVID of, uh, regarding air tightness. But uh, that didn't occur and it wasn't until about 2019 we finally saw air tightness appear in the code for, as an option for determining how well sealed the building is. Mm. Oh, yeah, some, there's some um, items you mentioned there that I'd be keen to, to expound on. But before we get onto that, I'd be, I'd be keen to hear more about your personal, like your journey in terms of how you got into the space. Is it something that you've always been uh, doing as part of your career or is it something, is it an opportunity you saw at some point and decided to pursue it? Yes, it was the latter. I had an industry in the telco space for 20 odd years and finished in that area around 2010. I uh, had some sabbatical time and uh, yeah, with some friends was looking at business opportunities mm-hmm. and uh, one of the friends talked about building air tightness. So we had a look into that and we thought well, that's a really great area to be in because mm-hmm. we saw our country relative to say countries like the UK and some parts of uh, Northern America where air tightness had been in use for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And also had some experience with some expat friends who came to Australia and those who lived in Melbourne. A winter in Melbourne, for example, one guy came from Sweden mm-hmm. and he said he's uh, lived in different places around the globe, but he was the coldest in Melbourne. Oh, wow. And he said, I think your housing is, he said, I'll be nice, I'll call it a glorified tent. <laughs> so that uh, always stuck with me. And when I visited his place, when he went back to Sweden some years later, mm. I was there... Uh, I think in the late 90s, and uh, yeah, the home was airtight, it had uh, ventilation, double glazed windows, and it was just a comfortable mm-hmm. space to be in. So that was some of the sort of early experience of what better housing would be like. So you got to see it firsthand and experience yeah. it firsthand as well. In terms of the building tightness, we thought for the country and for people in their homes, that's a sort of low-hanging fruit in mm-hmm. terms of the cost to get better airtight because it's not huge. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of DIY stuff on the web that can show you how to seal, for example, your external doors better and, yep. and so forth. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we just thought that was uh, a, you know, an industry that would grow and we could grow with that. Over time. And, uh, yeah, it's something um, 
yeah, very passionate about. And uh, we do some things like uh, we work with the Renew organisation and uh, we give up some time there to do a speed date. They arrange those in council areas where you can talk to an expert, for example. Yeah, we find that we'll be talking about where the industry's at. We do spend a bit of time making people aware of what air tightness is. Yeah. Uh, for some, quite a lot of industry participants mm -hmm. may have heard of it, but not many have the built buildings with air tightness in mind in terms of a design and a construction method to achieve better ceiling as better you go safe. through the layers. Yeah, gotcha. It's uh, fascinating. One, one of the other things I do find fascinating is usually the naming or the names behind different organizations and institutions. And so yourself, yours is uh, 3 Arc. Is there a story behind the name? Yeah, in terms of the name, coming up with a business name, the ARK represents the initials of the directors, the three directors. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's me, Ash, Ratko and Costa. Nice. And being three of us, oh, three ARC, mm -hmm. we liked the name of it. We thought ARC was a sort of robust, strong sort of name. Unfortunately, we had the benefit at the time, didn't realise, but it's uh, helpful in the listings in the digital world because the huh? three tends to sit on top. Oh, yeah. So the listings were in. So we've got an uh, unexpected advantage for that. Yes. Yeah. And funnily enough, for an organisation we met on along our travels called ARC Resources, uh, they're into, uh, they provide services, uh, architectural services and ESD type services. Mm -hmm. So it was, uh, yeah, funny we ended up working with them on some projects that we had. That's ARC and, and three and three ARC. <laughs> So unrelated, but uh, people think, oh, is that a subsidiary? Yeah. <laughs> uh, another business unit. It's very fascinating. And yeah, maybe just uh, to zoom out a little bit, it's more of a reflective question. So you've been in the, in this space for since 20, 2010 or thereabouts. 2015. 2015. Yeah. 2015. How's the industry changed from your perspective from 2015 to now 2021? Are there some changes? Are there some trends that you've observed so far? Yeah, for sure. In, in any country, it does need the equivalent of the National Construction Code to you know, set the agenda of for any sort of changes. There are some participants who will explore themes that look beneficial when looking at what countries do overseas and similar climates, for example, Melbourne being a cooler climate. What we've seen is, I guess, there's some pioneers in this space. In terms of commercial, Greenstar has been good in terms of introducing air tightness. Just do a test to get an innovation point mm. at uh, some years back to now requiring from the construction aspect of green star you need to do a test no longer as a as an option and initially they had targets that were very easy to achieve like a permeability of 20 mm -hmm. that's as in meter cube per hour per square meter of surface area of the building mm -hmm. whereas the ncc code that came in 2019 with air tightness testing as an option for commercial that is five mm -hmm. and for residential it's 10 as in to get less than or equal to those numbers. Those numbers, yeah. Yeah. To be moving towards a definition side of things, because uh, as you said, it's not something that's widely done in Australia, even it's it's not even part of the code. It's at the moment it's more of an option, optional item rather than a mandatory item. How would you define air tightness or yeah, or building ceiling or? to a person who is not very familiar with the techni yes. technicality. Yeah, probably the best way to describe it for any 
type of building. What airtight is about is basically you controlling what air leakage you have. Mm. So what it's about is eliminating unwanted air infiltration. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is that if you've got a building and leaks coming from anywhere, you don't know where they're coming from. So some source could be contaminated mm-hmm. air. Mm-hmm. Like if you're on a busy road and that's where a lot of air is coming in mm-hmm. through the front door, you're getting a lot of vehicle emissions, for example. Yep. So what air type is about is the only way to work out how well a building has been constructed from an air type's point of view is to do an air type's test. That's mm-hmm. so a verification test. Mm-hmm. And there are those sorts of tests when a house is built. For example, the plumbers have to do a pressure test mm-hmm. of the pipe system mm-hmm. so that achieves the pressure, there's no leaks in the pipes. Mm. The electrician has to do a, a resistance test of the cabinet. So there are some of these uh, specific tests done. Mm. Um, and air tightness is just another one from how well it's been constructed. Mm. So the way that it's measured, uh, we have an adjustable door frame that goes in an external door of the home. It could be the front door or the back door. Yep. And then inside of that, we have a cloth insert and then that goes a, a, a fan. Mm-hmm. It's different terminology. Some people call it a blower door. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually a fan rather than a blower, but it's just a, sometimes industry terms that are taken up become familiar and that's what people go. And that fan, you can create either negative pressure or positive pressure in the building. Ideally, it's negative because uh, when you do the test, you can, when the building's under depressurization, it will it will uh, magnify the air leakage issues in the home. Mm-hmm. So we test from typically from about 20 pascals to 60 pascals, mm-hmm. and then the result is expressed at 50 pascals. And having a number, that then allows you to compare different types of buildings. Mm-hmm. So air permeability is about the flow, which the fan measures, divided by the surface area, square metres. So if you've got a building, four walls, a roof, and a floor, mm. total up those areas and divide that into the fly that's measured for the leakage and mm. that gives you the air permeability. Mm-hmm. Then there are, there's another way to express it's based on the volume of the building. Mm. So Passive House has been around since the 80s mm. and they decided on volume. So that's expressed instead of dividing it by the air of it, it's by the internal volume mm. of the building. Mm. And Passive House has got the one of the most stringent air tightness uh, standards is down at 0.6 air changes per hour, 50 pascals, and it's approximately equivalent to one air permeability or one meter cube per hour. Mm, mm. It's not quite there, but it's an approximation because different shapes, and for example, uh, a cube is more efficient from a volume point of view mm. for the surface area yeah. compared to a rectangle. Mm. So we like air permeability because it allows you to better compare different shapes, mm. building shapes, mm. whereas the closer you are to a cube or a, a sphere, your air leakage is going to look better because you've got more volume mm. for the surface area. Gotcha. So that's the different sort of things that are out there. Mm. But you can represent the result in both ways because you're measuring the flow and you can calculate either the area and or the volume yeah. and be able to see where it sits. Yeah. And then if you don't meet the target, for example, if you were at whatever the target may be, with the fans running, we then investigate for those leaks. Mm. So we have different techniques to find the leaks. So it can be simply the back of your hand, a typical 
leakage areas, particularly we use uh, tracer smoke. So for those who've been to the disco with the, with the smoke, we can we have portable ones and we have a large one to generate and create a lot of smoke in you. And we also have infrared imaging, which can pictorially give you a picture of what air leakage looks like because it it's not something you can image otherwise. Mm-hmm. You can sense it, but to be able to show a customer, well, what does it look like, mm-hmm. that's what the infrared can help mm-hmm. if you've got a temperature difference uh, on the day. Yeah. Nice. So... With the with the testing, with the air tightness testing, I'd say that the, from my vantage point, there are things that uh, it has benefits, and if, if you do it, and there are certain consequences that might arise when you don't do it. Maybe starting with what, what would be some of the benefits of under, undertaking that test that you just mentioned? Yeah, the benefits of having a good air tightness mean that when you're either heating or cooling your building, depending on the season, you're going to lose less of that conditioned air. Mm-hmm. Not to the outside, yeah. yeah. For example, CSIRO did a study around Australia around 2015, a mix of houses, so new homes and existing homes. Mm-hmm. And uh, the averages for those were somewhere in the teens in terms of air tightness. Mm-hmm. So it just means that and their estimate at that time was that the homes that they tested were leaking about 30 to 40% of that condition then. Oh, wow. So you can imagine if you harbour or even reduce it by 75%, Mm-hmm. What a big difference it makes. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my business partners, uh, Ratko, his home was uh, somewhere up around 19 mm-hmm. air permeability. Mm-hmm. And when we got the fans, we tested our homes. Uh, and over time, he's reduced that down to about four and a half. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. And then some of the differences that he noticed is uh, that he's no longer really aware of how windy it is outside because mm-hmm. of the noise. Yeah reduction of air leakage is less room for noise to travel and what he's found too is that he's got a uh, home with single glazing windows but good curtains uh, some areas of helmets and in winter time since improving air tightness he's found that instead of the temperature dropping down to within a few degrees of outdoor temperature mm-hmm. it drops down to maybe 13 or 14 which is a lot better than down at five which means when you get up in the morning you've got less of a temperature to get to say 19 or 20 degrees and it also uh, means that your heater runs less mm-hmm. because it runs and then the thermostat says i've achieved temperature mm-hmm. and it just holds on to that that temperature longer yeah because right, you've got less air leakage the other thing it does is uh, yeah things like pollution or, or odors mm-hmm. uh, and even things like pests in terms of insects and, and rodents and things like that yeah. Um, some homes we've seen, especially under sinks with plumbing penetration, mice can get through those mm. gaps. Yeah, you get that sort of uh, benefit as well. And in terms of the occupant, what it means is not having drafts means it feels more comfortable. No? Mm. So one of the things we talk about is in the service that we provide, it's about comfort for people mm. and efficiency for your building. And then if you get that right, you... Yeah, you enjoy being inside and you can have less energy costs and therefore less demand on the grid and generate less you know, CO2 emissions for whatever you choose to do in your home from mm-hmm. a heating cooling perspective. Mm-hmm. So that's the air tightness. And the other side of the coin is, is ventilation. So what we talk about is uh, the industry talks about it from an air tightness perspective is to build air tight and mm-hmm. ventilate right. Mm-hmm. 
build airtight and ventilate it. Yeah. Unfortunately, with build airtight, you can't just say, I want to achieve a permeability of eight, or I want to achieve a permeability of two. All you can do for your given design is build that as airtight as you can. Mm -hmm. And to give you an idea, if you go down to a passive house construction, typically here they'll use an internal membrane, Mm -hmm. and that's the air barrier. So that when the house frame goes up, they then put the insulation in, and then they put this internal air membrane on. Mm -hmm. That's all taped up. And we come in and test at that point. Mm. And the idea is that if you pass at that point, mm. then when you complete the construction, you should be confident you're going to meet the 0.6E changes mm. for our target. Because that's very airtight, that means that 0.6 air changes out, that's at 50 pascals. And what that means at normal pressure to convert from a 50 pascal airtightness result to normal pressures. The rule of thumb is you divide by 20. If you look at the passive house situation, you're down at uh, 0.003 air changes per hour at Mm. normal pressure. So that'd be a very stuffy building. Mm. So the idea is by ventilating right, the passive houses will use some Melbourne anyway, a heat recovery ventilation system. Mm. So that brings in fresh air and extracts the uh, area typically from your wet areas, so the bathrooms, the kitchen, mm. for example, and delivers fresh air. And as it's exchanging that air, it takes the energy of the outgoing air mm-hmm. and uses that to preheat if it's winter time, mm-hmm. the incoming air. Mm-hmm. And they can range in efficiencies in the sort of 90s, low 90s to high 90s. Mm-hmm. Again, that just means that from an energy perspective, Instead of having the heat air that could be in Melbourne in a really cold morning, zero degrees, yeah. and get it to 20, mm-hmm. you have to put all this heat into that air. If you exchange the air going out at maybe you know, 19 degrees and only losing, you know, say, 10% of that, mm-hmm. you've only got to heat, add two degrees to that incoming air, which is a lot less energy than air coming in at zero. Getting it from the air, yeah. yeah. So there's those sorts of systems you can do. and. What we see with the calls, for example, people have come in and bought a new apartment mm. and they're telling me they've got these condensation and mould issues occurring. So we've just compiled a document to assist people that we send to them. Mm. Uh, no charge if anyone wants to find out about that. And that just takes them through, well, how does condensation occur mm. and what can I do? Mm. So if you've eliminated the sources of moisture, yeah and you're still getting a problem, then what that's saying to you is that, yeah, it's quite airtight, mm. but there's no ventilation mm. coming through. So you can get these, uh, instead of a whole house HRV system, mm-hmm. you can buy these, they like, come in pairs, they're called decentralised HRV. Mm. So they're ideal for smaller things like apartments. Mm. And they just go in the external walls and they cycle roughly about a minute to 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. One drags air out and the other one brings it in and then it reverses. And they can be quite a good solution because they're about retail for the units. They're about twelve to $1,400 a pair. Okay. Uh, and you can set them up. And these are retrofits. Yeah. So you've got to be able to you know, basically draw a core through the whatever your external forwards and work out where you want to put those, but that's something that can be done. So, yeah, that's the two sides of the coin. At the moment, the ventilation side of things is taken care of because the homes can be quite leaky. Mm. 
but again, you don't know where so you it's this, coming from. Mm, so you have yeah. a lot of outside air coming into your, yeah. into your internal space. And I grew up in the home where we had wall vents back mm. in the days, and where they actually connect to the internal wall is full of, <laughs> the air's not great there, yeah. so that's not a good place for it to be coming in anyway, but mm. it's generally put in place for when we had the solid fuel burning, like mm. the or, or the wood and so forth, but disappeared from our code somewhere around the late 70s or early 80s. Mm. So one of the things we look at when we go into homes is people just accept that they're there, mm. not really sure why they're there, but they're like little chimneys in your house. The hot air rises yeah. and is drawn out through those, through the lower points in your home. So mm. this is where your home's quite dry. Mm. And for people who have a gas space heater or wood heater in a room, then they've got to have a fresh air supply of some sort. It's good to have that. So if you have vents in those rooms, you're probably going to leave those. Mm. Mm. But funnily enough, there are solutions pretty much in this age we're living where people thought of, I've had some people ring up about building a passive house and say, I want to have a wood burning the fire. Twice, mm. I'm in the country and I like that look and the ambience and all that. What can we do? So I did some research and I found, for example, a product that's got a, a, a dual flue on it, a smart flue. Mm-hmm. So the incoming air is in one of the flues and the exhaust is in the inner one. Yeah. So you don't need a makeup air opening in your hut because it's all in the fireplace system. So when you do an air leakage test, that's not going to leak because it's a closed system. Uh-huh. So there are things like that, products like that. Mm. That are out there. Yeah, that's uh, what, what we do. And countries are building very, if we talk residential, around the globe. I think Germany's got the lowest air tightness result before they require continuous mechanical ventilation. Mm-hmm. And it's about 3.2 permeability. Mm. The UK tend to talk about it once you get into the low falls. But we've also seen some buildings where uh, we've tested a conventional plaster build. It had a Air leakage test resulted two, and we asked the occupants, does it get very stuffy in here? Mm. And they said, oh, it's kind of. And we said, well, you've got a great air tightness, but um, you really need to look at um, the, ventilation. the ventilation system because it's counterproductive open the window in wintertime when you're heating your home. Yeah. From that particular case, I lent the person my uh, air quality detection system and they just tried out a bedroom with the CO2 detection and closed the door. They were using the bedroom as a home office during mm-hmm. the working from home COVID sort of period in Melbourne, shut down. Mm-hmm. And they said they were amazed once they shut the door, the, the CO2 levels just went off the chart. He said to me that uh, you're going to be looking at all these uh, retrofit systems you can get. To get that consistent. The HRV, yeah. So they have these ones where you can put them in a home mm. where the system goes in the ceiling and you put your ducts to the room, providing you've got a roof cavity. Mm. And those systems retail for about two and a half thousand plus the ancillary ducts and so forth, mm. which might be you know, maybe another three or four hundred dollars. Mm. And yeah, those can be a good solution for people who have improved their types and now. I was just wondering about the air quality. Air quality. So it sounds like once once you do the once you uh, tick the air tightness box, then you also need to consider venti- the ventilation of how you're going to ventilate the internal spaces as well. That's right. Yeah. Otherwise, you have um, all these other things that may come up with it's the stuff in there, CO two concentration increase, increasing over time, yeah. um, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Is that right? 
Yeah, that's right. So with the CO2, it's not the situation where you're, where you're going to pass out in the house, but it does affect your mental abilities, you know, what they talk about, different levels. You could look up a chart and say, at this level, you can become... Slippy. Yeah, sleepy, drowsy, or your cognitive power decreases and, and those sorts of things. Mm. Yeah, especially in winter time when we don't, we rarely open our windows because of the cold air outside. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're hardy and you reduce, you you're used to really cold temperatures. Some people just have their windows open all year round. They come from a different era where oh, I like the fresh air. Yeah. And you go, it's pretty nippy in here. <laughs> but uh, there are some who do that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and I, I guess the. With regard to that, you can see why the NCC started off with the 10 for residential, mm. because they typically not, don't have a ventilation system other than exhaust fans mm. in the wet area. Whereas commercial are always generally going to have some mechanical ventilation system. Mm. So once you have a mechanical ventilation system, super air tightness is what you want, because then you're reducing the level that, it, that exits the, the building. Yeah, as much as possible. We've touched on a few things that I wanted to cover later on, but we might get back into them. Maybe on the flip side of that would be what happens when, whenever we don't do the air tightness the testing? Uh, when, whenever, what, what happens when we don't pay attention to that at the design or construct yeah. phase? Well, if you don't pay attention, basically you don't know how airtight your home is going to be. Mm. And sometimes the only way people find out is bill shock. Mm. They get through the first window because they're heating the house every day. Because mm. in summer, we're not necessarily cooling our house every day. Yeah. Use of a lotless number of days, you need to turn your aircon. Yeah, it would be those 10, 10 or so days that you have 30 plus That's temperature. Right. Yeah. yeah, but in winter time, once we get into the sort of May period, it starts to be, and through to you know, late sometimes, you know, September, even recent years. So I know one of my friends uh, in the country has been uh, turning the wood fireplace on in, in uh, November as the temperatures dropped and it's been quite cold. We certainly spent a lot of dollars on our on heating homes. Mm. So with the build shock, I mean that if I've purchased a six home, six home, then what that means is that it's going to require a certain amount of energy that I need to uh, put into it in the form of heating that live comfortably through the year. So you can look up what energy requirement a six-star house requires to heat. Mm-hmm. And as you keep going up in stars, you reduce the amount of energy that's needed to give a, a, a good and, and hold on to that temperature. Mm-hmm. So your passive house, you're going to be using very little. Some People don't even have a heater. They start off just assuming the people in the house are going to be, and appliances, is going to be sufficient heat for them. Mm-hmm. And you can look up some uh, videos on YouTube where uh, people in a passive house uh, come home after a holiday and turn on their hairdryer mm-hmm. to provide some heat. Some heating. <laughs> yeah, just to illustrate how efficient the house the is. House is. How it can yeah, quickly achieve mm. the temperature. But yeah, that's what you tend to find out. You might have drafts and you might find, for example, that why is this part of the home really cold? I can never get temperature right here. It's mm. comfortable in this part of the home, but another family member saying it's cold down here, turn the heater up. Mm. So you get these imbalances mm. that can occur. And a similar thing in a commercial building uh, with, can, with the hot air rising, that's multi-levels. Mm. 
<laughs> depending on how connected different levels are in buildings, mm-hmm. you can find that people on the higher floors in wintertime are feeling really hot, and those on the lower ones are feeling cooler cool. and wanting to change the thermostat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can have this fighting requirement sometimes in the building. Yeah, with the air tightness, in terms of not having it, you're going to see it in your bills and also in your comfort. In your comfort as well. Yeah, that's yeah. why I notice it. So it's a bit like, probably the way I look at it is that if I go out in wintertime and it's cold and I put on my coat, mm-hmm. I don't zip up the coat. Yeah, my back might be a bit warm, but I'm going to be still losing heat through the front of my body when my organs are too. So it's not until I zip that up that becomes well sealed, yeah, yeah. because it's only at my neck and where my hands come out. And mm-hmm. usually they've got a bit of elastic around the waist area to hug it to your body. Mm-hmm. So that's what it's like in your house. When it's well sealed, it's like you've got that snug jacket on and despite the wind, you still feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, unzip your jacket and then, yeah, you've got that not quite right part yeah. of my body's warm, but this other part's not. Yeah, because you have all these points where outside air can get into your body. Yeah. The cold the air from outside can get yeah. into your body. Yeah. Um, and in terms of, from your experience, what do you find to be, I'd say, points of weakness in terms of facilitating air leakage into a building or into a home? Yeah, yeah, there, there can be quite... There are some that are stand out stand up more than others or is it just distributed across all the different weakness points yeah the in terms of where a lot of the leakage occurs if we look at the shell of the building for example if someone puts in a chimney and they don't put a damper in mm-hmm. then that's a massive air leakage mm-hmm. issue and the chimney draws so it means when you are heating it the hot air is rising yeah so we do see some people with that as a feature Mm-hmm. They may not be using it, but if you haven't got a damper, you've introduced this hole in, into the house. How's, how does the damper work in terms of mitigating some of that uh, heat, heat loss or air loss? Yeah, so the idea with the damper is that it'll be on like, the top mm. of the chimney, mm. and it's like a flap. So you have a chain that comes down the chimney, mm. sits on the hook in the, in the fireplace, and when you want to use the fireplace, you open the damper, and when not, you have it closed. Closed it, yeah. Yeah. Another area can be exhaust fans. Mm. It's only recent times that having to put in an integrated damper fan system has made it into the code. Mm. So a lot of people live in homes where there's a fan in their bathroom, could be laundry too. Mm-hmm. It's there with a cover on it, but if it doesn't have a damper on it, it's another hole in your home. Mm. The worst case is if you've got a whole home heating system, Mm-hmm. Pumping heat into these areas mm-hmm. and it's just leading mm-hmm. through, through that. Any sort of areas or openings that are up high because the height is rising, mm-hmm. that's where you're going to lose a lot. So, mm-hmm. wall vents for older homes. And then, of course, we've got doors, our doors. So, it can be doors to you know, the backyard, the front yard, or even the door to your garage for those who have an access through the garage. The garage door. Door. If you don't have good sealing around those systems, that's where you can get a lot of air leakage because mm-hmm. you've got the lineal meters mm-hmm. of that door frame. Mm-hmm. So that's another area. We also see the architrave because mm-hmm. the way the house is constructed, the architrave covers the gap between, say, your, your door or your window frame and the wall of your building. So when the architrave goes on, that's got to be well corked mm-hmm. so that there's not an air leakage 
into the home. And a weak point we can see is the top architrave because it's out of view for most of us, unless we're basketballs. Um, that's not caught because no one's looking at it and you can get air leakage you know, occurring there. Mm-hmm. So there's a range of different things. I've mentioned earlier things like under-sink penetrations of, of your plumbing can occur there. And then, of course, skirting boards because if you've got, say, wood flooring, there's a gap between the wood floor and the wall. Mm. And then your skirting board goes in to cover that transition, if you like, between the wall and the and the floor. And the floor. Mm. And takes out that gap. But if you don't cork the skirting board, again, you've got another sort of leakage source with regard to that. Some of the other ones. They're a little bit more obscure. Yeah, that's uh, coming into that can be things like our range hood mm-hmm. and the kitchen. Uh, when that's constructed with the flue that goes through the ceiling, if there's a gap that's not corked or, or sealed around that area, when the cabinetry goes on, that can then mask that mm-hmm. and you can have an air leakage there that can manifest, especially if you've got a, like a wall oven, mm-hmm. it'll, you can feel it around the ventilation mm-hmm. of, of that. And probably uh, one that can be quite large is the cavity sliding doors, so the cavity pockets. Yeah. And we've seen on a new home and a couple of years back now where a customer just wanted to find air leakage sources and mm-hmm. have us look at insulation with our thermal camera. We turned on our fan system and we heard a thunk and thought, gee, this is an unoccupied house. What could that be? Mm-hmm. So we went up and investigated. We found the ensuite door. It was a cavity slider door and it was closing under just 30 pascals of pressure. Mm. had that much air leakage coming through the cavity. The cavity. Oh. And because that's uh, out of sight, it's, a, it's an only an area that perhaps on a windy day you might be aware of. But, yeah, getting that constructed right so that there's no air leakage mm. is a good one. Mm. Just, uh, I've sometimes seen a home, say, nine of these doors in the home because it's quite, it can be quite an efficient space. Space saver, yeah. For how a home is constructed. Mm. And, yeah, so... When you add all that up, there can be quite a lot of air leakage. Another one can be for people with ducted systems for the heating and cooling. That's probably the only one visually I can't tell you whether there's air leakage when I walk into a home. We're just looking at it. Yeah. Mm. We can only see that when we turn the fan on. Mm. And if we feel a draft from the return air, we know there's an open system Mm. Mm. uh, because it should be a closed system. Mm. So one of the weak points there can be, especially two-storey homes, if the return air, I'm talking about systems where they're in the level one, the, the heater, for example, in the level one roof space, yeah, because it's on this flat. Mm-hmm. So the return air is down the bottom on the ground level and they construct the shaft that's mm-hmm. behind the cover to mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And if they haven't sealed that shaft, which mm-hmm. is not a ducted system, mm-hmm. then the way it's constructed, you've got all these air leaks that on this wooden shaft. Mm. So that means you've got an open mm. system, mm. which means when the return air is going back to the unit, it's also taking the cold air that's within the building if it's winter time. Winter time. And introducing cold air into the system. Again, not what you want. Yeah. Um, and other cases we've seen sometimes it's just a uh, the duct has blown off an installation or it hasn't been a good installation. Mm. The shape of the duct versus uh where it's going um, 
connecting a flange to different shapes and not good job has been done. Mm-hmm. Maybe they ran out of the normal part and got what was left. And unless it's inspected or tested, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, those things show up where people go, why is my heater always on? Mm-hmm. And that can be an example. If you are in a home, if your heater's always on, that could be the issue. You've got an open open or a hole in your, in your duct system somewhere. Mm-hmm. So it just means it can't hold temperature because it's always... Uh, Introducing cold air. At some point, yeah. Yeah. That's a good one is thermostats on walls. Sometimes large penetrations are made. The thermostat goes on to cover that hole mm-hmm. and there's an air leakage point there. Mm-hmm. That's the worst type of air leakage because if cold air is coming into your thermostat sensor, mm-hmm. you're not really getting the true temperature of, of the house. It keeps saying it's cold. Yeah. It has to keep heating. Because mm-hmm. the sensors uh, could be if it's a windy day mm-hmm. and pulling air through there, then that can exacerbate things. It's just misreading it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And another one there will be uh, reverse cycle systems, the service penetrations. Because the head unit goes on, you don't know how big the hole is where the penetrations are being made. Mm-hmm. So, again, we can see that when the fan is running. We've got some thermal images of that just showing the feathering effect of what air leakage looks like mm. around the surrounding plaster. So that can be a, yeah, a, another area where you get those. Potentially leakages. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Probably the other one, the main type one, is where you get different surfaces in the building. So if I've got a brick feature wall, for example, that mm-hmm. meets uh, a plaster wall on both sides, if I haven't caulked along the water courses, Mm-hmm. And the bricks themselves, because the bricks are not where the plaster meets the brick, it's not a join. Mm. To our eye, it might look tight, but there's actually gaps because the surface of the brick varies and the plaster will sit crowd in places, introducing gaps. And then, of course, the mortar courses. So, testing the home like that for the first time, we actually see dust dragged in along the mortar courses from mm. that. So that can be yeah, quite a large air leakage if you've got large wall and lots of these gaps. Mm. Another one can be with the ceiling when you're putting timber boards mm-hmm. in the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Again, where that meets the plaster wall surface, mm-hmm. you've got a material that doesn't connect. Because normally plaster where it meets plaster mm-hmm. is then finished. Mm-hmm. It's corked or it might have corners on it as well, but it's an airtight barrier. Mm-hmm. But when you've got these different types of materials, mm-hmm. yes, you can put a bit of quad over that, but the quad's not airtight itself. It'll yeah. reduce those, mm-hmm. but the best thing is to... Yeah, seal it and then put your cord on, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, how you do that is if it's something visible like the brick wall, you want to use a cork that goes on wide and clears translucent. Mm-hmm. So that's to the eye that is acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's a sort of typical, a lot of the typical things that we see. So the most obvious ones are the ones um, around the building and the envelope. So where yeah. the doors are, the yeah. windows are, yeah. and then once you, you start moving to the internal spaces, it's a little bit more difficult to see it without, uh, with the naked eye, and you probably need to, to undertake the, the tests before before you identify yeah, it. Around those sort of deducted type systems or yeah. things that are covered, got a panel covering, and you, you don't know what that's uh, like behind it. And just the humble GPO, that was there. We get a draft out of that when we test a, a home. Mm. conventional plaster lining sort of thing. Mm. So it just shows you that, and we don't know where it comes from, mm. but it manifests at that point. 
Yeah. And that can be one of the issues with the air leakage is that once the thing is built, you can't get to the source of it. Mm-hmm. building ways. What can you do? One of the things we suggest to people, if you're really fanatical about air leakage, you can just get the child-proof GPO mm-hmm. for those that are not in use. Mm-hmm. And just put the covers on there. that point, little plastic insert, and then you you know, cut off some air leakage from those. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. And in terms of, because I'm presuming some, some percentage of the work that you work on or you do, they're already established houses or existing houses. What are some of the potential solutions that you recommend or provide as recommendations to, say, a client? Yeah, well, for, for the existing homes... Still hanging fruits, yeah. Yeah, for the existing homes, uh, we're getting inquiries from people wanting to do an air tightness test. And we we'll always say, look, we can do that. But what is it that you're wanting to achieve? Because to do an air tightness test, we also have to calculate that volume or the surface area of it, generally from plans. But there's some extra cost involved in doing that. And sometimes people just want to identify where the air leakage is. Mm. So that's a, a lower rate than doing a test and then looking for air leakage, for example. Mm. So, yeah, it just depends. But there are, in terms of where typical air leaks occur, there are some good websites. Um, you can you know, look up like the Your Home, the government website, mm. look up air leakage on that. And that has a picture of the home showing where the typical air leakage points are. Mm. Yeah. But we do get some customers, they want a baseline where they are at the moment because they mm. want to quantify what's the improvement that I get. Mm. So we might test and that could be, uh, we did a country up, uh, the country town home built in the 80s and it was quite leaky, oh, I think up near 20. Mm. Mm. So they knew where some of the air leakage was, mm. wanted to find out where was the house sitting mm-hmm. so they can, for themselves, demonstrate, okay, I want to get a test done, this is my baseline, I'm starting at 20, identify where all the leakage points are, there were some that I could visually see, mm-hmm. and then there were some other ones that we found for them. An unusual one can be your internal closets, mm-hmm. where the roof of the closet makes the wall, it's mm-hmm. out of sight. Mm. Uh, but in this home, you could feel drafts coming out of the closet mm. and filling up the closet between the roof of the closet and the and the wall. We could feel a gap. The finger went through. There was a gap between how it was finished. And we're talking, again, lineal metres, and it was present in just about all the closets that had been built. So it was an unexpected type uh, air leakage. leakage. Mm. So their plans are to do the air leakage, remediate it that themselves mm. and then look at doing the retest in the future. In the future. Uh, mm. What we said to people, uh, we've worked with building a new home, you can do it as you go through the layers. So we provide a service where we can look at a design for the home and then look for these air leakage issues and provide a, all right, what's the mitigation for that? How do I make it airtight? Mm. We can do it at that stage, but we often get called where uh, people, the build's underway, we say, good time to come out and talk to your builders when the foundation's done and the frame is done. Mm. We come out and talk to them about airtight or air leakage issues and how to build them better. It's not a lot of cost, it's just the attention to detail, the detail. side of things. Mm. And a typical one will say is, for example, the, the bottom plate mm. of the uh, building is to cork between that and if it's on a slab, for example, because that then takes out what can be quite a lot of linear metres. You've got a wooden frame sitting on an uneven concrete surface. 
Yeah. Not that the visual level looks all right, but because wood on the concrete, you get all these holes in between that joins. So caulking inside of that takes that one out mm. right away. So mm. that's good. And that's just an example. But we find that, yeah, we also look at the insulation. There's mm. some insulation weak points and how we construct our mm. buildings. Mm. So we talk about those. One of the simple one of those is for the listeners is that having a hold point before your wall plaster goes on, mm. someone inspects that the wall insulation is in properly mm. all the way around. There's no gaps. Mm. We can come around afterwards with an infrared image and saying, oh, that section of the wall is missing insulation. It's mm-hmm. very possible to fix. Mm. You've got to break open the plaster, mm. put it in, reseal and paint and have the, yeah, mm. the, the impact of having this done in your home. Yeah, just a simple thing like that mm. and can improve it. And, uh, yeah, it's really about this awareness because mm. people, we all do what we, whatever our role or job is, we do what we know. And it's not until someone, you know, says, hey, have you ever thought about this? Mm-hmm. And then you have a discussion and then you can demonstrate what leaks and they go, oh, okay, well, mm-hmm. that makes sense. We can do that. And mm-hmm. that's, yeah, it's not extra type cost because it's that attention of the detail mm-hmm. while, while you're building. Mm-hmm. So, for example, that corking around the, the, the external frame at the base to the to the slab, I asked one of the builders working, he said, oh, it was about $150 mm-hmm. extra. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you think about it, you're spending in Melbourne, the average is a, a lot of suburbs now in that one million plus category. Mm. If you think of you know, whether you're spending on a house and land package, half a million up, whatever, but $150 is not a lot of money it's true. To, it's true. to do those. So it, just getting those things done mm. during the build. And then, yeah, we come and do the verification test. Mm-hmm. So providing the builders taken on board the item we call out, then, yeah, we don't expect to see leakage at cavity doors and these typical areas that yeah. they occur. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we say to people too, we consider provision services for a ventilation system because mm-hmm. some people just say, I want to do an air tightness test and uh, I'm happy to accept the code recommendation of less than 10. Mm-hmm. But some others say, I want to get it as airtight as I can, but mm-hmm. without the expense of putting in a air membrane. And from our experience, we've said on the home we consulted on, yeah, that we've seen it as low as permeability too, but you do need the ventilation mm-hmm. system there. So you can plan for that if you're in a smaller type thing, like an apartment. You can work out where you put these decentralised peas mm-hmm. and cable the power for them mm-hmm. so that when you get in, you do the air tightness test and say, well, yeah, I really need that. You can then fit those easily. You've mm. made provision for them. For the ventilation, yeah. yeah. And maybe just moving a little bit away uh, from that and looking at the at the code, at the National Construction Code, where you mentioned a little bit about it yeah. in, the, in the earlier part of the conversation. Yeah. And so what are some of the changes you've seen in the NCC 2019, and are there some changes that you're anticipating in the one that affects the residential space, the NCC 2022? Yeah, yeah. Back when we started doing air tightness, the NCC was on an annual cycle, mm. so 2015, but in the 2016, it went to a three year, so it meant mm. improvements. Now we've got a three year wait to, Before to do things. Mm. And looking at overseas experience, what we've done in terms of air tightness, there's been some talk about it. It starts off, for example, as an option. 
that gives time for the industry to get understand it. Mm-hmm. Also build up the ability to, to test. And we've seen some changes in the testing industry mm-hmm. where we've partnered up with and still is, but we've got an air infiltra- air infiltration and ventilation association mm-hmm. of Australia. But the president there had some talks with Atma from the UK, which is a testing organisation, the mm-hmm. Titans Testing, mm-hmm. about them helping us set up a testing industry here. Mm-hmm. So that means having people who are accredited, mm-hmm. having practices, and also helping with uh, communication, what air tightness is about and, and mm-hmm. so forth. So they went on their journey where it started out. And to give you an idea, the UK had a target of 10. It came into effect. I think they had a two-year warning of it mm-hmm. saying, right, two years' time, this is going to be it for the new builds. Mm-hmm. And that target, what, 10 years plus on, is still 10 today. The mm. builders typically achieving the fives, the mm. low fives, because they looked at their techniques mm. and saying, oh, okay, we can't dial up an air tightness, so let's address the air leakage issues mm. and just make that the standard practice. Mm. So anyone being trained in the industry, once air type was introduced, mm. that's all they know. They don't know how it used to be done because mm. this is now the practice. So they've got better buildings as a result and, yeah, achieving better than better than that 10. So with our code in 2019, it was introduced under JV4 in terms of air sealing of a building mm-hmm. and it had a target there for those who chose that option of uh, less than or up to 10 air permeability for residential and up to five for commercial buildings. So that's been helpful because when I get some customers who ask about air tightness, I can say, well, you can talk to your builder and say, I want to have that option specified in my contract, mm-hmm. JV4 and the targets less than 10. And, and I said, you know, we can help you out with how to achieve better air tightness. That's been a good thing. Our next update for 22, instead of May, I was reading it's going to be September because mm-hmm. of the COVID impact on the industry. And yeah, I, I haven't seen the proposal around the air tightness and condensation, mm. but I did see that we're going to, that's going to be open for comment from about the 19th of July. July, 2029, yeah. So I'll be looking uh, to do that. Mm. And what's good about it is when they do that feedback and then they can say, they get basically the the update comes out a year before it comes into force, so people know this is coming. We tend to get that year notice mm-hmm. without our code here. And sometimes, too, like we had with the COVID, in terms of enforcement of that, a little bit more graces you know, gets allowed mm-hmm. around those things in mm-hmm. terms of the transition. Yeah, I'm expecting to see Australia go down the same route of where it become a mandatory requirement mm-hmm. because... It means so much in terms of the energy use and also the, the comfort for the people in, in the buildings. So knowing what it is, that yes, I've met my target, I can say well, that's good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say over time, because you can't dial it up, the builders will look at the practices mm-hmm. and no doubt will end up being similar to the, the overseas experience of actually achieving better than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, yeah, people can, can specify mm-hmm. different targets. What we say to people is that if you want to achieve less than 10, you need a considered approach. Mm-hmm. If you want to achieve less than five air permeability, mm-hmm. it's a committed approach. Mm-hmm. And if you want to get down to those passive house type levels or one or better, mm-hmm. it's a fanatical approach in terms of air types. Mm-hmm. So that means that your design features, mm-hmm. 
one of those uh, inputs is it's got to be an airtight building. Yeah. yeah. From and the, get- the materials and how it's put together and the particular the architectural features. Mm. It's got to be, if I want that certain look, mm. it's not going to be at the expense of air tightness. Mm. Mm-hmm. So those things get, get, get factored in. What we can't do a lot about is that we see some buildings have an air tightness target in commercial space and then they put in a roller door. So that in like stadiums mm. where they need a large door to get access to equipment. Mm. But that's going to have a big impact because it's very hard to make a roll of the airtight if you've got molecules off them as well. Yeah. But yeah, we've, I guess what we've seen is this transition of actually having it in code as an option. Mm. And also the work Green Star's done of introducing it early on in the piece as a, a thing to do to get a bonus point. And now it's required if you are seeking Green Star as built, you've got to do an airtightness test. Mm. But what we've seen, at least in the commercial space, more buildings specifying that when mm. we look for tenders mm. have air tightens. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're seeing more hands raised when we go out on our commercial projects. Uh, we have a methodology to mm. help them achieve the end goal. Mm. Mm-hmm. So part of that is a kickoff meeting mm. with the trade leads mm. for certain large-sized projects, and sometimes it can be the subbies mm. themselves, or like a roofing contractor. Where we talk about air tightness, mm. what's it mean? What's the benefits of it? And then, do you get a lot of questions during that kickoff meeting, or uh, is it is there a way? Tends to be a lot of questions. It tends mm. to be a bit of absorption, and then when the questions come, it'll be about their specific thing. We'll say, okay, what if I put a penetration in the internal wall? Do I have to seal that? Mm-hmm. And we'll say no, because that's not the air barrier. So we've introduced to them this thing called the red line on mm-hmm. the drawing. Mm-hmm. So you need to know where you're working on the building. Am I on the red line part, which is the building envelope? Mm-hmm. And if I am doing the penetration, then I know I've got to seal that mm-hmm. in a specified manner for that particular type of seal. Mm-hmm. So we've got a level of knowledge there because of the fireproofing that's done. People understand it from the fireproofing. Mm. Perspective of you know things like smoke, mm. you prevent smoke moving all through a building if a fire occurs. Yeah. Sometimes when we bring that up, they then get it. Okay, air tightness is you know so much the smoke, but it's that conditioned air. Mm. We mm. sometimes uh, yeah relate into what they do, and then there are some that we when we typically hear people with, for example, a, a UK accent, will generally ask them if you. You know, worked on air tightness, they're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yes, we've been doing it for many years. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we have a discussion about well, where's a practice we do here in Australia that you would do there because it impacts your air. So, yeah, it's uh, good from that point of view. And the secondary thing about those briefing things is to achieve air tightness, you need to use air tightness products. So, that's going to be a corking uh, system that allows. An expansion and contraction, mm-hmm. and air tightness products have a higher spec mm-hmm. and last longer, mm-hmm. and they've got more things like you know, expansion contraction ability. Mm-hmm. And the key thing with them is that they also have to read the instructions of how to prepare the surface. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they require a prime, mm-hmm. sometimes they do not, and we've seen some weak parts of the construction occur because they tried to seal it, but, but haven't prepared the surface mm-hmm. and the taping they've done has just come, there's no longer on when we come to test, mm-hmm. if we can see it. 
Mm. <laughs> Sometimes it can come off and you don't even know about That's it. That's right. You mm. just go, mm, it's happened somewhere. And uh, yeah, not all buildings you can do an initial test because you haven't achieved air tightness yet. Mm -hmm. You can in the passive house mm. because you, if you're using an air membrane, mm. you can test it. Mm. And then when the linings go on, well, you test again mm. at that point. Mm. So providing you maintain your air tightness. Mm. But yeah, it's just a, a range of things, but it really comes back to looking at what you do in terms of the build from a different perspective mm. of something called air tightness. Tightness, okay. And what does that mean to how I do it? So this most successful projects we see where someone on the project team takes air tightness lead role. Mm -hmm. uh, we encourage firms to have it as part of the induction. Mm. You're working on a project that has air tightness as a requirement. It's from both uh, the builder slash construction side and from the design side as well, the construction. Yeah. 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 Mm. So the people coming on site, yeah, mm. these things apply. And if it's got a, for example, if it's got an airtight air membrane mm. put on, yeah. don't believe leaning building objects against it to tear that. Yeah. Um, we've seen that happen. It's put a hole in something. It's because, oh, well, it's a hole. It doesn't matter. Yep. It does on this project. It's just been covered up. <laughs> You've got a passive house target. Very yeah. difficult to achieve. You've got to be fanatical. Mm. But yeah, so that's what we do. And then we have site visits during the uh, project. And that will vary the number of site visits depending on the complexity mm. of the building and also whether there's staged zones of the building. We're working on a project at the moment that's got a basketball courts, mm. uh, a pool, and then indoor pool. Indoor pool mm. and, then, and an office sort of complex. So three mm. sort of distinct zones. Mm. They'll each have their own. HVAC system. But air tightness in the aquatic areas, I met a guy some years ago, Sam Thorne, mm. and he was telling us about pools and what air tightness means in the pool. He mm. said, if you get good air tightness, mm -hmm. he said, not only are you lose, not losing the energy heated air, he says, you actually end up um, having less evaporation. Mm. Less evaporation means less water, cold water coming in that you have to heat, mm. for example. Mm. So a good aquatic centre today has good level of air tightness. Mm. You know, less than five, sometimes it's less than four is specified. Mm. Mm. And they also run a positive pressure in the pool zone, like about five pascal pressure. Mm. And the reason they do that is that acts like a pool blanket mm. on your water. So that again reduces the evaporation, which means you can have less condensation, mm. which means less chlorine on metal fittings, mm. all those sorts of things. Yeah, it can have uh, be quite dramatic mm. certain. The other thing you get with really air types, especially down at the passive house level, is you no longer have gradients of temperature in, in that area that's mm. like a passive house. Yeah. Because you've got this ventilation Gradient of temperature. What it means is that in that part of the house, it's going to be very similar temperature to another part of the home. Mm. And when I stand up, Maybe it's a two-storey home. When mm -hmm. I go upstairs, it's going to be a similar temperature. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because what happens is you get this molecular mixing mm -hmm. of the air molecules mm -hmm. at certain good air times. What it means is that you get this more even temperature of that environment, mm -hmm. and uh, which is good because you don't have someone saying, I'm cold here, turn it up. Someone saying, I'm too up too hot upstairs, they don't. turn it off, yeah. or they open the window, which just makes things worse. Yeah. <laughs>
yeah, creating the imbalance or making the imbalance even worse. Yeah. And B, as, as uh, we wound down to the two last questions, what stage would be, from your perspective or from some of the projects you've worked on, at what stage is it best to undertake the test? Is it once practical completion or is it uh, at multiple stages throughout the build? Or, yeah, what's the most optimal stage? Yeah, ideally, when you get to lockup, if you, if it is airtight, air you can do it then, because then you've got access to whatever the leakage areas are. And I'll give you an example of a building we got uh, involved on, very late in the piece. They did build it, didn't realise they had airtightness as a requirement. Mm -hmm. Requirement was a commercial project. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't a lot you could do at mm -hmm. that point except test. Mm. And when we first tested it, it was something like uh, air permeability of 26, way off the charts, didn't even yeah. you know, go close, and their target was to be less than 10. So a huge difference. And some of the areas were just very difficult to get to. For example, if you're putting a HVAC system mm. with your supply and return penetration through the roof, where the roof plant is, the way this one was constructed, they couldn't get at that point mm. from above or below. Mm. And you could visually see daylight when looking up from below. From below. On, oh, like, on, the, on the platform. Ah, uh, like that side. Yeah, with the penetration. Because it was weather tight. It had some... Sealants and everything. Yeah, it had it from above, but it wasn't airtight. That was something they couldn't do anything about. But there were some other areas where they knew what had gone on. And I mm. thought, oh, okay, well, that was an area. And that had to break open the plaster to get to those. Yeah. Then result we got to on the next test, uh, grade improved to about mm. 30, but they'd probably reached that point where you couldn't do much more in terms of what was happening. Mm. But uh, yeah, ideally it's at locker, but sometimes it doesn't, you know, the way the building is, it doesn't really uh, get to that point. Mm -hmm. And in the commercial place where we have suspended ceiling tiles, mm -hmm. air barrier is not at the ceiling tiles, mm. it's above that, which is going to be your roof level yeah mm. so your roof to wall is a typical weak areas in commercial buildings you've mm. got things like box gutters there mm. so you're transitioning from roof to box gutter to wall mm. so you've got to work out how do i make each one of those air tight mm. Mm. Uh, it's not my conventional build because i'm not worrying about it. i'm just worrying about weather tightness mm. but air tightness when you've got all this lineal meters you think of how large some commercial buildings can be aquatic centers or Mm. Six court basketball stage and so yeah. forth. Yeah. yeah. So if you don't, you have a lot of um, leakage going on. Yeah. Yeah. You can have a lot of uh, leakage. Mm. But yeah, so that's what we you know, will see probably about on a third of the projects. So they'll ask for a test of locker mm. and find one. Most of them tend to just have a practical completion mm -hmm. for the commercial. And for residential, we say, well, if we get involved and provide you some advisory services, mm. providing that you know, acted upon by the builder, mm. you'll know you're going to get quite a good air tightness for, let's say, conventional plaster build. Mm -hmm. So you can be confident you're on track to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's uh, what we can do. And then, as I said, passive house uh, is different again. Uh, you do it typically at least two tests, mm. air membrane and practical completion. The... Passive House Associations, their documents will they'll specify through. They'll say at the air membrane and then the next stage before fit off. Mm. So you've got your lines on, but you haven't 
pull your cabinetry in and mm. fit it off um, all your uh, appliance points and so forth. Mm-hmm. Again, just so that you've got access to those if it's not being towed. Because, yeah, we find with a passive house, once it's built, yeah, where's your air leakage occurring? Because mm. it's, uh, they don't leak at GPO points because mm. they're made airtight. Mm-hmm. Where the cable comes through the air barrier, that's where it's sealed. Mm-hmm. So when it's eventually terminated, there's no longer an air leakage part yeah, of it. there. Yeah. And the last question is just more of a bonus question, really. Um, is there anyone in the industry that you particularly find follow or find in- interesting or insightful who you've been either following over time or even recently just in the broader construction industry or even within the, the space you're in? Oh, okay. In terms of following, we've got the president of the AVA group and he's also working with the ATMA. Uh, Sean Maxwell, he's been very good at raising awareness of air tightness. Mm, mm. He's from North America and worked in that space. Mm. He came to Australia and could see that not much air tightness is happening here. Yeah. So he's done really good in terms of doing presentations at different groups and, and so forth. Mm. And uh, yeah, he currently works for uh, a group, ProClimber, who provide air tightness products and membranes and tapes and, and so forth so yeah there's someone that uh, yeah follow on like LinkedIn and then other ones tend to be uh, I pick out some people uh, I think from North America I can't remember the name but they're a commercial uh, company that does uh, some massive buildings in terms of air tightness testing mm. uh, to give you an idea one fan is what we use on a residential building really? but I've seen some tests where there's 30 fans testing like a big shopping mall in terms of what we do. We've got a big one coming up next year and it's going to need 11 fans to test the commercial building. That requires a lot of planning mm. and also the setup time. The test is going to be quite short versus the setup time, mm. putting all that uh, plant together mm. and uh, running it. And just explain how the test is done. There's different providers. We use a Retrotech fan door system mm. and we connect it up to, it has a gauge, measures the pressure, the mm. fan creates the pressure itself with a big positive or negative pressure. And then that connects into our computer. We've just got some software called Fantastic, as with a E, and that does all the measurements, drives the, the fan and takes the measurements from the gauge mm. and compiles that for us and generates a report. And we have to make sure that it meets uh, you know, things like correlation. It's got to be in greater than 98.5% for all the test points you've done. Mm, mm. So we've tested from 20 to 60 at five pascal intervals. Mm. We take about, I think it's about 20 measurement points at each one of those. Mm. And then at the end of the test, it draws a chart and says, well, how are all those points, the correlation? So mm. it's good correlation if you meet that. Mm. And if not, you've then got to go and retest the point. Mm. So you would delete that and go into that pressure over that 35 pascal. We must have copped a squall mm. and it's just dropped, caused an impact on our the measurement reads. Mm. Redo that one, for example. And that's, yeah, we get a test report. So that's what's provided to the customer, mm. not just the number. Hey, you've you know, got a result of eight air permeability at 50 pascal if you're seeking less than 10. Mm. But here's a report and for those who are really technical minded, they can see all the math and mm-hmm. all the data tables and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a little bit of an interpretation of what that means. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Thank you very much, Ash, for joining us today and uh, for sharing uh, 
not just about yourself, your experience, but also what you do uh, with three, three, uh, hopefully there'll be another session in the future um, as the industry evolves and this particular component of building performance, which is air tightness, um, gets more adopted into how we either design and, and design and construct just to improve, as you mentioned, the comfort and energy performance as well as a secondary effect as well. So yeah, thank you. Um, in, for the listeners, where if people wanted to contact you, where can they where can they find you? Yeah, our website's www.3arc.com.au. Yeah, we've got some resources there and also a web page for contact. And yeah, I've got a phone number, my mobile, 0409 040. Three, two, one. If they want to have a chat about uh, a project or whatever, we don't charge our time for inquiries. We basically try and identify what a person's trying to achieve, and then uh, give them some advice. And sometimes that could be I recommend you have a chat with a designer who specialises in this field. Mm. If you're really wanting to get a super air tightness, you might want to look at a air membrane mm-hmm. design. Yeah, we're at that point. Again, we talked about where we are in the industry, still early days. Mm-hmm. So there's a bit of education and passing on and helping people to understand. And we've got a document we've just called Build Airtight Ventilate, a few pages just on the topics mm-hmm. to help people understand well, what does it mean, are some links to more information. So we provide that to, to people as well. I find that helpful, especially if they've rung up with a, I've heard about this, but I don't really know what it means. Well, it is. Tell me some more. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, just a few page document that can assist. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks once again. And yeah, hopefully we'll uh, sit down in the future to expand on some of the ideas and the concept that you've mentioned today. And I'm pretty sure some listeners will most likely come, come in with questions. So maybe we can address them at a future date. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, it's been good spending time with you today. I think it's a very important one. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Ash.